Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm gonna make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you wanna get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group, no purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus. Talk Recorded live. Yes, Ride My Seesaw Indeed by the Moody Blues from 1968, ladies and gentlemen, rocking us in to episode 121 of Wrestling Revisited, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to episode 121. I am your host, the Iceman, Jared DiGiralmo, here on this Tuesday night, ladies and gentlemen, May the 22nd, ladies and gentlemen, 2018, ladies and gentlemen, and we are ready to jam however like nobody jams here, however, on Talk Shoe, ladies and gentlemen. And of course, let's give you the number right now, 1-724-444-7044, and joining us on the caller ID right now, of course, besides yours truly, of course, the Iceman, is the Human Suplex Machine, who is also jamming with his guitar, if you will, and it never sleeps, if you will, the Human Suplex Machine from Front Royal, Virginia, my raw tag team partner, if you will, Mr. John Gross. John, welcome to 121. Thank you. And we have got a lot to talk about tonight, so folks, put your feet up, get ready to jam with us here as we're ready to take you back into the time machine once again, but not just one, not just two, maybe possibly three shows, but if not, we'll do two shows, however, that'll be very unique tonight in the time machine show. Before we get into that, ladies and gentlemen, you can check out John's Facebook page, how on GRHS at Facebook.com, of his raw rants of last night and over the last few weeks. He had a lot to say, and of course, coming up tonight at 9 o'clock on Revolution, we will have a lot to talk about at 9 p.m., including a very special birthday of a couple of particular wrestlers, Howard, and also give you the latest news headlines with King NWO and myself, Howard, at the news desk as well. John, the first moment we're going to discuss tonight, obviously, is what happened earlier uh, back in the 1990s, and it was on May 19, 1991, ladies and gentlemen, that Super Brawl, yes, folks, WCW presented Super Brawl, Return from the Rising Sun, if you will, Howard, had a very significant uh, mark in history. Yes. Did you say May 19th? What's that? Did you say May 19th? I did say May 19th. Yes, I did, unfortunately. And yes, I'm spared, if you will. But yes, folks, this event was held... Yes. And of course... That event was held at the Bayfront Arena just outside of Tampa, St. Petersburg, Florida, in front of 6,000 people, if you will. It was the very first ever Super Bowl event, however, that took place. And it didn't, uh, let's just say it went off without a hitch, however. It's going to be the first of our 
uh, moments here tonight. And of course, ladies and gentlemen, we'll talk about who was on this show, Howard, as we take a look back right now. Uh, with that said, let's take a look and tell you what happened on this show. The first of our 13 matches, of course, how it was a warm-up match, and it was nothing really spectacular. It was the Mighty Thor taking on El Cubano, so nothing to report there. Nothing real exciting there. However, our yeah, next match was... Yeah, nothing exciting about that match, too. Right. But up next was a very unique match, however, that pitted the fabulous Freebirds, Michael Hayes and Jimmy Jam Garvin, if you will, of course, taking on the Young Pistols, Tracy's Mothers, and Steve Armstrong. This was for the vacant WCWS Tag Team Championship. The Freebirds, of course, however, end up winning the titles here against the Young Pistols of Smothers and Armstrong in ten and a half minutes. Your thoughts about this one? If I leave here tomorrow... <laughs> Good match between the Freebirds, anyway. And yes. then the course, U.S. Tag Team Championship. And, of course, the Freebirds, of course, over the years have had variations of different performers like Jimmy Jam Garvin, Terry Bam Bam Gordy, Buddy Jack Roberts. They're and now also on. their famous feud with Von Eric. Oh, yes. Back in the uh, mid-'80s, yes, in WCCW, they uh, developed a friendship and also rivalry with the Von Eric trilogy. Yes, indeed, the Von Eric family. But this is when the Freebirds decided to skip out of world-class championship wrestling as it was pretty much shut down and pretty much closed up a shop in Texas. USWA at the time. Yes, they were. They were USWA at the time. You were correct, John. They were the United States Wrestling Association. And so the Freebirds and some of the people decided to jump ship to go elsewhere and uh, basically try to get their careers continuing or at least get their careers started if you, since USWA, as you said, did buy into WCCW. Very good point indeed. No question about it. Of course, we know about Tracy Smothers, of course, over the years. He's been a very unique wrestler who not only wrestled in WCW, if you will, but he also wrestled down in Tennessee, of course, in Smoky Mound Wrestling, if you will. And I believe he had a brief run in the WWE, however, at one point as well. Anyway, speaking of... What's that? Who, Michael Hayes? Uh, no, Tracy Smothers. I know Michael Hayes in 1984. The Freebirds were there for about a month or so, however. But I think, but I think Tracy Smothers... But I also think Tracy Smothers also worked in the WWE for a brief time, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, let me check out and see if Tracy Smothers... Okay, while we're doing that, let's talk about the next match, ladies and gentlemen. Dangerous Danny Spivey, of course, taking on Ricky Morton of the Rock and Roll Express. Spivey makes short work of Morton here in three and a half minutes. This would begin uh, sort of a burial for Morton and a heel turn later on in the summer of 91. Your thoughts about this one? Oh, yeah. Yep, good match. Oh, by the way? Yes. Yes, he was in WWE. Oh, okay, he was what? Freddie Joe Floyd, right? Yes. Yes, that's what I remember. Okay, yes, he was known as Freddie Joe Floyd back in the mid late 90s. That's right, I do recall that now, yes. Uh, and, of course, Danny Spivey, of course, teamed up with a guy who at one time, of course, was a teammate of his back in the mid-'80s, better known to you all as Erwin R. Scheister of VK Wall Street, Michael Rotundo. Yes, folks, Michael Rotundo of the U.S. Express and of the NWO and, of course, also the Mega Maniacs, if you will, with Ted DiBiase, if you will, was uh, uh, his partner at one time. But Spivey, of course, was on his own on this day, taking on Ricky Morton. Up next, another tag team wrestler that uh, split from his partner, Uncle Ivan Koloff, if you will, the Russian Bear, who we lost last year. Nikita Koloff, the Russian Nightmare, if you will, took on Wildfire Tommy Rich. And as a result, Tommy Rich, who used to wrestle in Georgia Championship Wrestling back in the 80s, was trying to get his career uh, saved at this point, if you will. As a result, Nikita made short work of him in four and a half minutes. Your thoughts about this one? What can you say? It was a squash, plain, pure, simple squash, plain and simple. Yes, and of course, Nikita Koloff over the years has had his issues with guys like Ric Flair, Magnum TA, Dusty Rhodes, but also developed a friendship with Rhodes and uh, uh, Magnum TA, if you will. And also, I believe, has gone to know, uh, has become somewhat close with Ric Flair, but he was very close with Rhodes and TA, of course, when they battled the Horsemen back in the late 80s, of course. But in the early mid-80s, him and Uncle Ivan Koloff were known as the uh, uh, Russian Nightmare Team, if you will. They were very tough. They always battled the Rock and Roll Express. They always battled uh, the Road Warriors, if you will. But in the 90s, Nikita was still going, but Nikita, unfortunately, shortly after this, Howard would have his career end suddenly, however, by the end of 1991, early 92, due to a serious injury, however, and was forced to retire shortly thereafter. Unfortunately, however, he's become a born-again Christian and now believes in the Lord himself, however, and has become a preacher, if you will, I believe, in his home state of Minnesota. But uh, Nikita Koloff is one of the most underrated wrestlers, I feel, of all time. He never got the credit he deserved. He had some great battles, of course, back in the early mid-80s, as I said, with guys like Ric Flair, Magnum T.A. and him always had some great, great television encounters and house show affairs, whether it be in Greensboro, 
Richmond, Philadelphia, Washington, Baltimore, Norfolk. It didn't really matter. Those guys always tore it down, no matter what, Howard, as they were definitely one of a kind, Howard, to watch back in the 80s. Speaking of Dusty Rhodes, his son Dustin Rhodes is our next competitor here at Super Brawl 1, ladies and gentlemen, taking on terrific Terry Taylor, if you will. And as a result, Dusty Rhodes is... The Red Rooster. What's that? I said the Red Rooster. Yeah, the Red Rooster, Terry Taylor, indeed. Yes, Terry Taylor, of course, after having a brief time in WWE as a uh, competitor, however, would uh, compete still a little bit longer, however, in his career on this day. As a result, Dusty Rhodes' kid, the natural, however, had not been named just yet, but the artist formerly known as Gold Dust, if you will, took care of Terry Taylor here in eight minutes. Your thoughts about this one? Um, Good matchup. Yeah. I'll be right back. You're going to give out the plug and talk about anything else. I'll be right back. Yeah. 1724444 744 I need 139926 pound. Join us right now. All right, I'm back. Sorry about that, folks. Okay, our next match, of course, was another unique match. However, Big Josh, better known to you all as Matt Bourne, the Maniac, however, taking on Rick Harris, Black Bart, another WCCW alum. As a result, Big Josh wins this one. Your thoughts about this one? Yes, of course, it went three and a half. Yep, I would agree there. Very good point indeed, John. Of course, also don't forget, I'm sure John mentioned, all right, but in case you're wondering, tomorrow night, ladies and gentlemen, at 8 o'clock, the wrestling debate will be celebrating history in itself. Yes, folks, number 100 will be in the books. Join Gerard T. Smith, Michelle Lindotz, myself, John, and the rest of the gang talking about what has been a very historical show, to say the least. And it gets underway at 8 o'clock, 139925 pound. Also, Revolution will be recapping SmackDown for you tomorrow night, 138055 pound at 9 o'clock. Tonight will be the Raw recap as well. At 9 as well. And then at 6.30, join John, myself, and Mr. W. Sir, Chad Hinshaw. We'll talk about the latest music, politics, movies, and sports, including the new movies that are out this week. Deadpool and Solo, 141387 with Outside the Ropes, as we give you the latest movie, politics, and sports news here on the radio network. Up next is a very unique match here, John. You're going to like this one, however. Oz, that's right, Oz. Better known to you all as Kevin Nash with manager Kevin Sullivan defeated Tim Parker in a very short match here in 20 seconds. Your thoughts about this one? John, are you there? Yellow, John. Now, before we, uh, apparently we have lost, uh, John, uh, hopefully he'll be back with us. It might be because of the weather here, folks, but we'll hopefully hear from John here in just a few minutes. Uh, but we will tell you real quick how getting back to that Freebirds match for just a minute, it all began, of course, back in February, however, when the Steiner Bros would defeat the Fabulous Freebirds to win the title while already holding the U.S. Tag Team titles. Two months later, however, and a month before this event would take place, the WCW Board of Directors did declare the U.S. Tag Team titles vacant to allow the Steiners to focus on the World Tag Team Championship. WCW then scheduled the top two contender teams, the Freebirds and the Young Pistols, Steve Armstrong, of course, as we said, however, who is the son of Bullet Bob Armstrong, and Tracy Smothers in a top contenders match for the vacant title. At the time, the Young Pistols and the Freebirds were already engaged in a long-running storyline showdown, with the championship match being one of the highlights 
of the show. Of course, Steve Armstrong, as we said, folks, of course, is 53 years old. He, of course, <laughs> is very unique in his own way. Of course, as we said, of course, he is the uh, son of Bullet Bob Armstrong, if you will. And, of course, as you know, is also the brother of Road Dog Jesse James, if you will, however, believe it or not. So, there you go, some history there. Up next, of course, Barry Windham. We just talked about Mike Rotundo earlier. We're going to talk about Barry Windham now, his former U.S. Express partner, if you will, taking on a guy who is one of my all-time favorites, however, the loose cannon Brian Pillman in a taped fist match, if you will. Brian Pillman today, of course, would have been celebrating a birthday today. As a result, Barry Windham ended up defeating him here in about six minutes to win the taped fist match. Up next, of course, a very short stretcher match took place, however, between Sid Vicious, a.k.a. Psycho Sid, if you will, taking on El Giante, better known to you all as Giant Gonzalez. El Giante, of course, saying seven foot five, one of the biggest men in the sport, weighing over 450 pounds. Of course, he also tried his luck in the NBA for the Atlanta Hawks around this time, but didn't do so well, however, as a basketball player, despite the fact he played uh, sparingly, however, for recreational use down there in his own country of Argentina if you will. Sad to say, we lost him, of course, several years ago due to kidney failure at the age of 44. And I see John has returned to the line. John, we kind of lost you there for a minute. We were just talking about a couple matches that uh, you want to maybe give your comments to. First off, uh, we, talked about, we talked about Oz and Tim Parker. That was our next match. It went 25 seconds long. Your thoughts about this one? As I was saying, this was a pretty squash for Kevin Nash. Yes, and of course, Kevin Nash, of course, had the white beard and the green hat, if you will. He was also managed at one time by Kevin Sullivan, believe it or not, during this Oz gimmick, if you ask me. Uh, up next, Barry Windham taking on a guy who I just mentioned, Brian Pillman, who would have been having a birthday today in a tape fist match. Your thoughts about these two going as the former Horseman member took on the future Hollywood Blonde here in this one? Hmm? Barry Windham and Brian Pillman in a tape fist match. Oh, great, great contest. Yes, it went six minutes long. Very unique. Thank you very much there. Of course, next was a stretcher match pitting Sid Vicious, Psycho Cityfield, taking on Giant Gonzalez, a.k.a. El Giante. This only went two minutes and change. Uh, your thoughts about this one? What match was it? A uh, stretcher match between El Giante and Sid Vicious, if you will. And if you look better with us there, folks, there's some thunder coming over the head, however. It will be pouring pretty soon here in the next little bit here as the skies are suddenly... Uh, Really gone dark here all of a sudden here in the last little bit, however, as we're expecting some heavy, heavy rain here tonight. I think this is one the last time Sid was going to be in WCW because he was heading to WWE. Yes, actually he would uh, compete, however, believe it or not, however, uh, believe it or not, until the end of 1991 before going off to WWE. Four seconds. What's that? Yes. Of course, he would uh, appear in uh, WWE, however, for a couple more years, and then finally get out of wrestling, however, by December of 1995. Sad to say, however, after getting out of wrestling, however, he retired due to some health issues, and shortly thereafter, it was found out, however, he had kidney problems, however. As a result, however, he ended up getting married, had one daughter, but sad to say, we lost him, however, at the age of 44 in September of 2010. But this guy was one of the biggest, if not the biggest man in the sport, standing seven foot nine, almost eight feet tall, folks. Can you believe that? Eight feet tall. You talk about guys like Haystack Calhoun and Andre the Giant being big. This guy was bigger than both of them combined. He stood eight feet tall, weighing 475 pounds. He only wrestled for five years, ladies and gentlemen. He began his debut at the age of 24, and he got out of the sport at 29. But like we said, several years ago, we lost him, sadly, at the age of 44 due to diabetes and kidney failure, if you will. So there you go. He also tried his luck in the NBA, believe it or not, as a power forward for the Atlanta Hawks, if you will. Just a second. Okay. Sorry about that. Up next, of course, a very unique match here. John, that will pique your interest. Ron Simmons taking on his former doom mate, uh, Butch Reed. This is because apparently, however, things got a little testy between the two of them, however, and as a result, Teddy Long decided to leave Ron Simmons high and dry and go with Butch Reed instead. They ended up fighting here in a steel cage match. Your thoughts about yeah, this one? I about this on the histories and birthdays. What's that? I talked about this on the histories and birthdays last week. Yes, you did. Yes, you did indeed. Mm-hmm. You know, it was a good match between these two. 
Indeed, of course, Butch Reed, as we know, known as the natural, also back in the 80s, of course, back in Mid-South Wrestling at one time, had a very unique feud, however, that culminated with uh, Big Daddy Ritter, better known to you all as the Junkyard Dog, in 1984, Butch Reed was still a pretty good wrestler around this time. Ron Simmons, of course, was just a few years away from making history itself, however, by becoming the first ever African-American world heavyweight champion, if you will. What's that? He, didn't do much in, he was a good wrestler, but he didn't do much in the WWE, although he was a part of the big main event, the Survivor Series. Who's that, Butch Reed? Yep. Yes, you're right. And Ron Sims, we know about his history being an ex-Florida State Seminole, of course, uh, had a birthday recently, a Hall of Famer. He was always known for the one-word catchphrase, damn, and teaming up with Justin Hawk Bradshaw, or John Bradshaw Layfield, if you will. Uh, a very unique wrestler, of course, the first-ever African-American champion, a former uh, two-time All-American at the Florida State University for Bobby Bounds squad, and also had his jersey retired by that school. So there you go. Up next, of course, talking about tag teams. Now let's talk about another tag team that uh, had some tension with each other. The Steiner Brothers involving uh, Sting and Lex Luger. This was for the WCW Tag Team Championship. The Steiner Brothers ended up retaining the belts here, however. But we talked about the reason why the Steiners did that is because back in February, they had won the titles against the Freebirds while already holding the U.S. Tag Team titles. Less than a month before this show, however, the WCW Board of Directors declared the U.S. Tag Team titles vacant to allow the Steiners to focus on the Tag Team titles. Uh, so that's why this match came about. Your thoughts about these four guys? The what match? The Steiner Bros versus Sting and Luger, and then the Steiner Bros end up being Sting and Luger. Oh, man, great tag team match. Can you hear me? No. And, of course, we know Sting is a Hall of Famer, of course, as you know, and former world champion Luger at one time, a member of the Four Horsemen, also a world champion, Scotty Steiner, a world champion, and also tag team champion, and Rick Steiner, known as the Dogface Gremlin. Uh, very unique, of course, to Steinbrenner's attending the University of Michigan, if you will, however, becoming All-American there in Ann Arbor. Very unique uh, team, no question about it. Talk about another team that had some tension. However, this was for the WCW TV title, and it was former Midnight Express member Beautiful Bobby Eaton taking on his future mate in the Dangerous Alliance, Double A.R. and Anderson, for the television title, however. This one, 12 minutes and change. Bobby Eaton is your new TV champion. Your thoughts about this one? Uh, what match? Bobby Eaton and uh, Arn Anderson with Bobby Eaton becoming the new world's champion. Oh, congratulations for Bobby Eaton. And, of course, Bobby Eaton, as you know, at one time was a member of the Midnight Express with James E. Cornette and Sweet Stan Lane. Of course, they had those battles with the Road Warriors, of course, and the Rock and Roll Express. It would be less than a short time after this we would see him join up with Arn Anderson and form the Dangerous Alliance along with Larry Sabisco and Stunning Steve Austin and Paul Heyman. But on this night, Eaton was by himself, so there you go. And then, of course, we get to the big main event. And this one was a little controversial originally, however, going in, however. It pitted the Nature Boy Ric Flair, who would be leaving shortly thereafter to go to the WWE, if you will, taking on the young Japanese warrior, if you will, Tatsumi Fujinami. The controversy began, obviously, two months before in Japan, however, and at the time, Fujinami won the title and the NWA title. At the time that the fight did happen at the NWA WCW New Japan Super Show in front of 64,500, Fujinami did defeat Flair when both belts were on the line. However, shortly thereafter, however, Flair felt that he was cheated out of this however, and complained to management and Jim Hurd, who basically was not yet in power, but was kind of on his way out of power, if you will, and as a result demanded a rematch against Fujinami. Fujinami did make one of his final appearances for the American uh, uh, wrestling company, if you will, most notably WCW, and as a result, Ric Flair regained, however, the WCW world title on this night uh, by defeating Fujinami inside of 19 minutes, but at the same time, there was some controversy that ended up being a part of it afterwards. Your thoughts about this one? I'll be right back, Jimmy. Okay, I'll be right back as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Okay, I'm back. And while John's out, ladies and gentlemen, let's remind you that Wolfpack, ladies and gentlemen, will be on Thursday night at 9 p.m., 138521-POUND. Be sure to check that out, ladies and gentlemen, at 9 p.m. Also, ladies and gentlemen, this next Monday, Memorial Day, will be a very special day in wrestling, however, on Raw Radio. We'll talk about some of the heroes that have made an impact in our lives, however, 
both in and out of the ring, and we'll also talk more about what has been going on how over the weekend, including the championship affairs of the NBA and the NHL. We do want to send out a congratulations to John's boys, the Washington Cavals, forcing Game 7 last night in Tampa, if you will, and now, or excuse me, at home last night by shutting out Tampa Bay, I should say, 3 nothing. and now it'll be coming down to Game 7 tomorrow night, ladies and gentlemen, at the Emil Arena, a.k.a. the St. Pete Times Forum, if you will, as those two will decide who will face the Las Vegas Golden Knights in Game 1 of the Stanley Cup playoffs. Also, ladies and gentlemen, the Cleveland Cavaliers have tied up the series with the Boston Celtics going back to Boston. LeBron James once again carried his team to victory last night, beating the Celtics, if you will, and have forced Game 5 back at the TD Garden tomorrow, if you will. Meanwhile, tonight, the Golden State Warriors could take one step closer to the final once again with Steph Curry and company as they will take on James Harden and C. Paul III in the Houston Rockets at the Oracle Arena. Tip-off is just after 9 o'clock tonight on ESPN. And let's see what else is going on. Oh, yes, folks, we have had some other reports, of course, going on. Of course, we did mention, of course, ladies and gentlemen, if you did not hear the big news over the weekend, however, or should I say the last couple of days, if you will, ladies and gentlemen, however, we can tell you right now we do have some news going on, ladies and gentlemen, however, we do understand, however, ladies and gentlemen, however, that there is reports going around, ladies and gentlemen, however, that possibly maybe we haven't been able to confirm it yet, ladies and gentlemen, but it looks like now it is all but confirmed. Daniel Bryan will be getting a birthday wish like no other tonight, however, let's just say, as he will be celebrating a birthday in a big-time way, ladies and gentlemen, as he will be taking on Jeff Hardy for a spot in Money in the Bank tonight. Yes, folks, he will be taking on Jeff Hardy for his right to see if he can make his uh, dream come true, if you will, however, by competing once again at Money in the Bank. Also, ladies and gentlemen, we understand, however, let's just say, however, um, after debuting with 632,000 viewers, however, in its first year in 681,000 last September, Total Bells did not do very well, however, let's just say, however, mind you, however, as far as its big hype up, let's just say, on Sunday night. As a result, it debuted to a very weak 517,000 viewers. So, unfortunately, not a good night for Total Bells. Also, speaking of WWE, ladies and gentlemen, we'll talk about this coming up tonight at 9 o'clock on Revolution. If you did not hear the news yesterday, however, at the start of our radio, we'll repeat it one more time. Apparently, Fox News, however, not Fox News, I should say, Fox Network has announced that beginning in 2019, ladies and gentlemen, they are paying the network of WWE billion dollars. That's right. One billion dollars, ladies and gentlemen, if you were to start broadcasting SmackDown on Friday nights beginning in October of next year. Uh, more than likely, it'll be in the 8 to 10 slot, I would imagine, unless something comes up. But folks, we will keep you up to date with that story. And if we hear anything else, we'll let you know. Uh, we will be back in just two seconds, so hang tight. Okay, we're back now, folks. Sorry about that. And also, okay, I was just telling John, uh, everyone, John, about the Total Bella season premiere. Uh, we just talked about Tatsumi Fujinami and the Ric Flair match, and of course the story behind that. Uh, let's get your take on this main event here. As that has to be uh, the favorite match of all time. Yes, of course, Ric Flair, of course, taking on a young superstar. A pretty good wrestler and a very unique Japanese wrestler uh, in the form of Fujinami. Of course, there was some controversy going into that. Uh, I also reported just moments ago, if you did not hear, and I'll repeat it again for everyone out there who just who heard me about this, but I'll repeat it to you now. There are reports now going around saying that tonight, possibly, that more than likely, Daniel Bryan is going to get his birthday wish. Yes, folks, he is going to get a birthday wish like no other, however, as he will be featured once again in the main event of the show tonight, ladies and gentlemen, as he will be taking on Jeff Hardy. Yes, folks, him and Jeff Hardy will be going at it, ladies and gentlemen, coming up tonight, ladies and gentlemen, in the main event for a spot at Money in the Bank, if you will. Uh, also, we talked about the total balance. That should be an amazing match. Yes, oh, I would agree. I would agree 100%. I'm hoping it doesn't end in controversy with either Miz or Big Cass. I hope it's a clean match. It goes 20 minutes long. They tear it down in Morchester tonight. We'll have to wait and see. But uh, time will tell. Again, it'll be very interesting. And also, ladies and gentlemen, if you did not hear the news earlier today, if you did not hear the news earlier today, and I do want to thank the Human Suplex Machine for, let's just say, uh, Waking me up in the middle of the night, no pun intended. Now, that's fine, John, no problem. I was half asleep at the time when you called me. That's okay. That's all right. Uh, about 3.30 this morning, he gave me a call, folks, and told me the news. And if you did not hear the news, we will repeat it here right now. We'll talk more about it tonight, definitely on Revolution. We're definitely going to discuss it on Revolution, no doubt. 
before I get John's thoughts on Super Brawl 1. Um, the WWE has announced that starting with Money in the Bank, all pay-per-views will be going four hours long. Yes, folks, just when you thought the big four of Survivor Series, Super SummerSlam, WrestleMania, and also the Rumble were going to go four hours, maybe five hours long, hours long, ladies and gentlemen. They have now announced that all pay-per-views starting with Money in the Bank on Father's Day will be going five out, four hours long, maybe longer, ladies and gentlemen. Starting off four weeks from this Sunday, ladies and gentlemen, ladies and gentlemen, on Father's Day. I'll be right back in a sec. Okay. And while Janie steps away, I'll tell you my Super Brawl one review. Seven to ten. Okay, I'm back. Sorry about that. I just had to pick up my welcome, hat. Welcome back. Yes. And as I was saying, folks, uh, John told me that all pay-per-views are starting on Father's Day. That's right. Four weeks on this Sunday, ladies and gentlemen. On Sunday, June 17th, ladies and gentlemen, they will be airing papers from 7 to 11, and that the pre-shows will be going from 6 to 7. So, John, it looks like we're going to have five hours of wrestling on every pay-per-view from now on. At least for the time being, as WWE has made that call, I have got to ask you your humble opinion about this decision by WWE. I mean, I mean, yeah. Since now they are having Raw and SmackDown together, I think it's best you get you do that. Will it be a success? Do you think? Or do you think it's going to be a long-term thing or a short-term fix? Do you think that they need right now, in your opinion? I hope it's long-term. I hope so, too. I mean, they haven't done those shows in a while. How I mean, cause think about it. Think about it. WWE went big, took took a big jump, yet risk yesterday, putting SmackDown to Fox. That's what I was just, I was just, I was just talking about. Yes, and that's one thing. Another thing we'll talk about, obviously, tonight on Revolution. Yes, very good point indeed. And they, they, they're paying a lot of money to move to Friday, back to Friday night, Tower on Fox, Tower and over a billion dollars in uh, for the next five years, and that's going to. I think they're working. I think they're trying to, trying to turn the corner around. Well, let's hope. I mean, I agree with you. Very good point indeed. However, very good point indeed. But we'll see. I mean, like you said, I mean, with them getting this deal with Fox, however, and now with uh, Raw staying on USA, we'll have to wait and see. I mean, time will tell. Very good point indeed. But uh, we'll definitely be sharing thoughts about this here tonight. However, as far as that goes, we'll talk more about the uh, aftermath of Monday Night Raw. We'll also talk about the Total Bellas thing and other stuff going on on the Newswire just after 9 o'clock, so be sure to check us out here tonight at 9 p.m. Also, ladies and gentlemen, we can tell you tonight on 205 Live, ladies and gentlemen, there is one match been listed already. It will be Akira Tozawa taking on his former partner, Hideo Itami, and next Tuesday, ladies and gentlemen, yes, folks, mark it on your calendar next Tuesday night on 205 Live from the PNC Arena, not far from Mr. WCW's Neck of the Woods in Raleigh, North Carolina, ladies and gentlemen, the home of the NC State Wolfpack. It will be the Cruiserweight Champion, Cedric Alexander, the hometown hero, defending his belt, if you will, against Mr. Alexa Bliss. Buddy Murphy gained his first crack at the championship, if you will. Can Buddy Murphy um, settle the law once and for all by taking Cedric's title, which has been around his way since Mania? Or does Cedric have enough in his hometown to pull off the victory and deliver some justice of his own? We're going to find out after uh, SmackDown next Tuesday, ladies and gentlemen on 205 Live. But in the meantime, ladies and gentlemen, we're going to get John's final thoughts here about Super Brawl 1 before we get into... I already said your thought, my thoughts for you uh-huh. while you were stepped away. And that was... Go ahead, if you can repeat that one more time. Sure. 7 to 10. 7 out of 10? I, mean, I would give it a 7 out of 10, too. I would agree with you. I would agree with you wholeheartedly. No question about it. And of course, the tagline going into this one, oddly enough, was very unique. However, ladies and gentlemen... It was Return from the Rising Sun. So there you go. But yes, folks, we're going to return from the Rising Sun now with another edition of Super Bowl. This time we're going to take you back to February of 1992, ladies and gentlemen. And it is the return of Super Bowl. Yes, folks, Super Bowl two. And the tagline going into this one, ladies and gentlemen, was Best Friends, Now Bitter Rivals, Brawl for It All. And as a result, it was held at the Milwaukee Theater at the Mecca, if you will, however, or the Milwaukee Auditorium, if you will, ladies and gentlemen, however, that was very unique, however, on this day, of course, it was February of 1992, of course, as a result, Ric Flair was gone by this time, however, if you will, however, and as a result, however, over 5,000 people packed into Brewtown, however, to see the uh, big encounter, however, so we will tell you our thoughts about this encounter, and then we will talk about Super Brawl 3, if we will, ladies and gentlemen, if we have some time, so folks, you picked a good night to be uh, super with us here on the radio network, if you will. Our first match, of course, was a warm-up match, of course, pitting Diamond Dallas Page against Big Josh, of course, uh, Matt Bourne. This would be one of the last times Big Josh would be in WCW before he would go back to WWE as Doink the Clown. John, your thoughts about this as uh, Big Josh, Matt Bourne defeats DDP here? 
Oh, I'm sure DDP made him feel the bang. Well, he tried to. I mean, no question about it. Of course, Diamond Dallas Page, of course, had a uh, stable at the time coming in from the AWA territory prior to that with guys like uh, Medusa Michelli, if you will, uh, Scott Hall. Of course, they called himself the Diamond Stud Stable, if you will, let's just say. As a result, uh, we saw Big Josh pick up the win. Up next was our first match of the evening, however. It was a good one, and I've watched this match numerous times, however. We've talked about these two guys, of course, having some great chemistry, and this was a battle for the light heavyweight title, of course. Brian Pillman regaining the title from Jushin Thunder Liger here, and uh, we know that they met on the first Nitro, of course. We know that they had some history with each other as well. Your thoughts about these two uh, opening up the show here at Super Brawl 2? Classic show-stealing match right there. No question about it. I would agree. No question about it. These two, of course, had some great chemistry, as I said, folks. And, of course, if you have not gone back to watch this match or found this match on YouTube or on the WWE Network, shame on you. You would definitely be, uh, I would say, fascinated by these two guys. I mean, Tomo was very young at the time. I think he was about, I want to say, yeah, he was about 29 at this time, believe it or not. Yeah, he was 29 at this time. And Lager, of course, was coming into his zone, of course, being an on-again, off-again superstar over the IWGP territory, if you will, New Japan Pro Wrestling, if you will. He also, as we said, has had some great moments, of course, over the years in WCW, of course. He at one time competed for the WWE in one match, however, at the uh, very first ever uh, takeover in Brooklyn against, I believe it was the gorgeous one, Tyler Breeze, if you will, a few years back. So, folks, uh, he is a very unique wrestler, no question about it. Up next, we're going to talk about Terry Taylor again. He's up against Buff Bagwell in our next match, John. Buff Bagwell, of course, uh, teaming up with Two Cold Scorpio, calling themselves a very unique team at the time, of course, later on in 1992. Bagwell was still a little green around the edges around this time, but still, he wasn't what he was later on down the road. Your thoughts about a young Bagwell taking on terrific Terry Taylor? A good match. I would agree there, no question about it. Very good point, indeed. Thank you very much. Up next, Ron Simmons taking on Mick Foley here, Cactus Jack. Of course, Cactus Jack, of course, uh, a very unique, uh, charismatic guy, Mick Foley and his element. Ron Simmons, by the latter part of this year, however, would be the first African-American world champion. But Simmons started getting a big, strong push around this time, especially after what had happened towards the tail end of 91 going into 92. Your thoughts about this one? Yeah, good match. Indeed, no question about it. Up next, of course, hey! Dan- what? Nothing. Oh, I thought something happened. Okay. Oh. Up, up next, of course. Van Hammer and the Z-Man, Tom Zing, who sadly we lost, of course, just this past year, however, taking on Ricky Morton and Kevin Ash, then known as Vinny Vegas. He had ditched the Oz gimmick and now had played a cocky, arrogant Vegas guy, however, with a little bit of a attitude, if you will. And as a result, these two went out in a tag team affair. Hammer and Z-Man end up getting... Uh, the big mark over Ricky Morton, of course, who was trying to find a new partner after being ditched from the York Foundation in early 92. Your thoughts about this one? Nope. Good match. Mm-hmm. Thank you very much. Next, of course, Barry Windham and Dustin Rhodes, of course, however, who uh, had some unique chemistry with each other, teaming up to take on the Dangerous Alliance of Austin Sabisco. This was always interesting because it would be Rhodes and Steamboat, Shane Douglas and Rhodes and Sting. It didn't matter who they were all going up against. It would be these guys always find a way to battle Paul Heyman's henchmen. And as a result, the living legend in Austin, Hilary Sabisco, and, of course, uh, Stone Cold Steve Austin was known as Stunning Steve at the time, would team up power to take on uh, the natural and, of course, Barry Windham. It seemed like this was a show-stealing match, too. What? Now it was a show-stealing match. Yes, it was. Yes, it was. And, of course, this was one of the better matches of the evening. Up next, Arn Anderson and beautiful Bobby Ean would take on the Steiner Burst. As a result, however, the Steiner Bros will lose here by disqualification here inside of 20 minutes. Your, your thoughts about the Dangerous Alliance Tower coming through on this one as Anderson and Edenhauer saved the Dangerous Alliance from being defeated for the second time on the night, Hour against the Steiners. What? Arnie, so good, go good tag team match. Yes, indeed. And, of course, as we said, Richard Moore, and of course, was a member of the York Foundation at one time that consisted of Terry Ronalds, of course, terrific Terry Taylor, uh, Mike Rotundo, if you will. Of course, he was trying to find if you will. I'll be right back in a second, so hold on.
Sorry about that, folks. And we were talking about Barry Wyndham and Dustin Rhodes. Of course, we mentioned Dusty Rhodes, of course. Uh, Dustin Rhodes teaming up with guys like Ricky Steamboat, who we'll talk about here in just a few minutes. Shane Douglas, the franchise, who was not on this show, if you will. Taking on, of course, Paulie's uh, henchman, if you will. The Dangerous Alliance, who I thought was always a good team. I mean, they were sort of like the variation of the horse, and they always didn't uh, basically uh, put up with crap, but just, and they found a way to get justice done. But uh, the Dangerous Alliance always, uh, when Paul Heyman spoke out, he also had Medusa as part of his entourage, if you will, found a way to either... Uh, Talk a little too much and uh, get himself into trouble or find a way to lead him to victory over guys like Wyndham, Dusty Rhodes' kid, Dustin Rhodes, uh, Steamboat, uh, Shane Douglas, among other teams, if you will. And as we said, folks, we talked about the Steiners as well, former All-Americans at the University of Michigan, if you will, back in action once again at Super Bowl II, taking on the form of Double A and beautiful Bobby Ean, who I think was a pretty good uh, wrestler back in the 80s, as we know, with the Midnight Express of Sweet Stan Lane, Dennis Caudry, of course, and uh, James E. Cornette, if you will. Speaking of Rick Rude and Ricky Steamboat, that leads us to our next match for the U.S. title. These two, of course, would have a great match at Beach Blast later on in the summer of 92, but John, anytime Rude and Steamboat fought, however, it was like watching Steamboat and Flair all over again. These guys had really good chemistry with each other. They knew how to take care of each other, and they always found a way to get the fans wild up power on both sides. They fought each other here for the U.S. heavyweight title. Rude, unfortunately, a few years after this, would have to retire due to a severe neck injury suffered by Sting in Japan, I believe, but on this night, however, Rude showed how he wasn't caring about anybody but himself, and showed why by retaining the U.S. title against the Dragon here. Your thoughts about this one? Good match. Good match. Indeed. And would you say this one was good, or do you think the one at Beach Blast 92, the uh, Iron Man Even better. Even better. Even better than the Iron Man match. Hmm. See, I like the Iron Man match. I watched that about about three weeks ago. I went back and watched that on my Ricky the Dragon Steamboat DVD, The Life Story of the Dragon. And I'll tell you what. If you're looking for a really good match of 1992, how in the summer of 92, besides the uh, HB, uh, the Bret Hart Bulldog Affair from Wembley Stadium later on in August of 92, if you're looking for the early part of 1992 in the summer of 92 that was really a show-stealing match or the early part of 92 that really had some good matches in that year, uh, this would be one of them. The Beach Blast match I would definitely recommend watching. It was a phenomenal match. This one here in Milwaukee was pretty damn good. And there were some other good ones throughout the year as well in 92. And then we go to the main event. Two guys who of course were teammates only a year before now feuding for the biggest title in the world because Ric Flair had left the company high and dry and told WCW to go take a flying leap. It was Sting taking on Lex Luger. Sting regaining the WCW world title for the second time in three years if you will. As a result he defeated Lex Luger who this time was being managed by Harley Race, not J.J. Dillon, of course, who had managed him at one time back in the mid-80s. As a result, Sting became the new WCW World Champion. Your thoughts about this one? Um, Pretty good. Indeed. I pretty good between Sting and Luger. 
Essen, of course, they were also teammates at one time and rivals with each other as well. At one point, of course, Sting, of course, with the beach blonde hair, Sting, of course, showing that uh, he had the face paint. He wasn't the crow Sting by any means. He was sort of the surfer Sting, if you will. And, of course, we all know about Lex Luger, of course, and his attitude over the years. Of course, Luger shortly thereafter would leave the WCW, however, by the end of 1992, if you will, however, mind you. And as a result, shortly thereafter, however, he would debut in the WWE, however, as the narcissist, if you will, and last there for a couple of years and kind of uh, go his own way, if you will. But there you have it, folks. Our thoughts about Super Bowl II. Uh, this one, I gave it about a 5.5 out of 10. I mean, I didn't think it was bad, but it could have been better. I did think the Steamboat Rude match was worth watching. I thought the Sting-Luger match could have been a little bit better, if you ask me. But overall, that's what I gave Super Brawl 2. What would you give Super Brawl 2? A uh, 6. You're going to go a little bit better. You're going up to a 6. Okay. All right, folks. And it's time, ladies and gentlemen. One more time, ladies and gentlemen. We're going to go now to Super Brawl 3. Yes, folks. Super Brawl number 3. And you're going to like what we got here. As this time, we are going to Asheville. Yes, folks. Asheville, North Carolina. And to the Asheville Civic Center. But before we do, let's give you the number one more time. Our 1724-444-7044-139926 pound. This is episode 121 for 520. Was it the 21st, right? Mm-hmm. Okay, 521. May 22nd. Sorry, May 22nd. 522, 18, May 21st was yesterday. The human suplex machine and the Iceman here in the time machine ready to go. However, once again, as this time we're going to spin forward ahead to 1993, February that year. And the headline going into this show was the White Castle Affair match, if you will, ladies and gentlemen. However, mind you, however. And it was called Super Brawling at its best. Yes, folks, 6,500 packed into the Asheville Civic Center, if you will. So, folks, here we go, and we will tell you about what went down on this show. The first match of the night, of course, was the Hollywood Blondes, ladies and gentlemen, if you will. However, Brian Pillman and Stone Cold Steve Austin defeating Buff Bagwell and Eric Watts. Eric Watts, the son of Cowboy Bill Watts, who would be gone from WCW shortly after this because of some heat, however, with management. As a result, they opened up the show here, and as a result, the Hollywood Blondes of Pillman and Austin basically got the victory in this one. Your thoughts about this one? Good tag, man. Indeed. And, of course, Eric Watts... uh, at one time, a lot of people said he was sort of like Paul Rome. I mean, he was skinny and scrawny. I mean, he wasn't a bad wrestler. I mean, he stood 6'5", about 235, 240. Uh, he was okay, uh, really. I mean, he could have been better. He, of course, uh, did work with WCW, however, for a couple of years. Uh, then he went to WWE, where, unfortunately, he never really achieved anything, if you will. Then he returned to WCW for a little bit and then worked with ECW for a brief time. Then he also worked in Japan and TNA. He still wrestles to this very day, I believe, however, believe it or not. He's 50 years old. Of course, he attended the University of Louisville, if you will, and at one time was a quarterback for the Louisville Cardinals, if you will. And we know about his father, the Cowboy, if you will, however, Bill Watts, of course, a very unique wrestler and a very hard disciplinarian. Speaking of discipline, however, let's talk about our next match, ladies and gentlemen. However, it was Too Cold Scorpio, if you will, ladies and gentlemen, taking on Chris Benoit. Yes, folks, Chris Benoit was getting a trial match here on this night. This match went 20 minutes long, and of course, it is on the Hard Knocks DVD, the Chris Benoit story. Too Cold Scorpio, with one second to spare, did defeat, however, uh, the Canadian Crippler. Your thoughts about this one? Yeah, that was a good, that was a squash. Well, it wasn't quite a squash. I'd still say it was a pretty damn good match. I would agree there with you, however, mind you. As a result, however, a very unique match, to say the least, Tower. So there you go. Up next, of course, Davey Boy Smith. Yes, folks, Davey Boy Smith found himself in WCW for a brief time, however. Between, uh, uh, like, uh, Bill Watts, had, a kid had done, however. But Davey Boy Smith, less than a year after Super, uh, SummerSlam 92, was now in WCW for a brief time and didn't last very long before going back to WWE, if you will. As a result, he would defeat uh, 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 Bill Irwin, if you will, better known to you as Wild Bill Irwin, or the goon, if you will. As a result, however, this match went, however, five and a half minutes, and Davey Boy Smith ended up picking up the win. Your thoughts about this one? Again, another great match. Yes, indeed. Of course, it went five and a half, almost six minutes long. Uh, Our fourth match of the evening, Cactus Jack. Yes, folks, Cactus Jack, Mick Foley, if you will, ladies and gentlemen, of course, taking on Mr. Wonderful Paul Orndorff in a Falls Count Anywhere match. Mick Foley was on his way out of the company shortly thereafter, and as a result, he would then show up later on in ECW before heading to WWE. Your thoughts about Mick Foley and Mr. Wonderful? Uh, Mick Foley getting the win in a good match. 
indeed. And, of course, this was a false count anywhere match. Of course, he would have some battles uh, in his WCW career with guys like Sting, of course, among others. Of course, as we mentioned, Davey Boy Smith, of course, was uh, very unique around this time. Of course, Davey Boy Smith, of course, had uh, left the company, however, mind you, however, in November of 1992, and then actually showed up in WCW, however, for a brief time. Unfortunately, however, he would uh, only last less than a year, however, before going back home to the UK for a little bit. And then he would return, however, the following year, however, to WWE, where he would work, however, with the WWE, however, until 1998, if you will, however, before heading back to WCW again, and then returning one more time back to WWE before finally hanging it up. As a result, however, he finally called it a career, sad to say, however, mind you, however, like I said, however, uh, I believe it was in late 1999, early 2000, sad to say, in May of 2002, however, at the age of 39, folks, he died of a heart attack, however, known as uh, the Union Jack Power, the British Bulldog, he had so many unique names, however, uh, where could we go, of course, he uh, was managed by some of the greats, including uh, his uh, wife, Diana Hart, Captain Louis Albano, James E. Cornette one time managed him, and of course, uh, let's just say he was very unique. He also held the World Tag Team Championship twice, however, the Hardcore Championship twice, the European title twice. Uh, he also had the best wrestling maneuver of 1984, the feud of the year 1997. Two years before this, it was the most unimproved wrestling unimproved of the year. 1985 was named Tag Team of the Year with the Dynamite Kid. Uh, he also had some pretty unique uh, accolades in Canada, too, folks. Uh, a year before, as we said, folks, he had the match of the year with Bret Hart at SummerSlam. He was a two-time Stampede International Tag Team Championship uh, uh, champion with Bruce Hart, his brother-in-law. Stampede British Commonwealth Mid-Heavyweight Championship once. Twice was the Stampede Wrestling International Tag Team Champion with Dynamite Kid. Twice the North American Heavyweight Championship and also a member of the Stampede Hall of Fame. This is a guy who should be in the Hall of Fame and if it wasn't for uh, all the issues going on right now, he would be in. Uh, my good friend Michael Finney, who is a good friend of mine from the UK, has spoken out about this along with Owen Hart and Brian Pillman. They should all go in the Hall of Fame. I'm hoping next year WWE wakes up to their senses and puts all three of these gentlemen along with James E. Cornette into the Hall of Fame, or at least one of these guys in to the Hall of Fame next year. It is well-deserved, if you ask me. Bill Irwin, of course, we talked about him before. Him and his brother, of course, were a very unique team. Bill Irwin, of course, was better known to you all as the goon, if you will. He was uh, pretty tough in his own right, staying 6'1", 245, of course, from Pecos, Texas, now living in Minnesota, if you will. He worked in WCCW. He also worked in the WWE for a brief time, however, and also WCW, however, believe it or not, if you will, but didn't last very long. Better known to you all as Wild Bill Irwin. Irwin. He was the former um, NWA, or should I say, excuse me, yes, the uh, NWA Central States Tag Team Champion once with Brian St. John. He also was the WCCW Television Champion of record seven times, folks. That's right, seven times he was their champion. And also he was the former UWF World Tag Team Champion once with Leroy Brown, better known to you all as Roland Daniels. Daniels, of course, lived to be 37 years old, was a big guy in his own right, 6'2", 305. Sad to say, he passed away two months before his 38th birthday, if you will, referring to Leroy Brown, a.k.a. Roland Daniels. Uh, that was the guy who I think, um, I, if I remember, I think that was Bad News Brown. No, no, that wasn't Bad News Brown. Oh, yeah, that was Bad News Brown, wasn't it? John, am I, I don't right know. On, am I right on that? Cause I, it sounds like I'm right on that because I remember there was a guy named Bad News. Oh, it wasn't... Bad Leroy Brown. Uh, Bad News Allen, I'm thinking of. Bad News Allen is who I'm thinking of, folks. That's who I'm thinking of. Better known to you all as Alan Kosich. That's who I was thinking of. He lived to be 63. That was the guy who I'm thinking of. No, that wasn't him. That was not him. That Leroy Brown was a different guy. He also was a guy uh, who was involved in the Zambui Express, believe it or not, and was also known as Elijah Akeem, and teamed up with a young man named Kareem Muhammad or Ray Candy if you will, Ray Canty, if you will. Ray Canty, of course, had to say we lost him of a heart attack, too, at the age of 42 in May of 1994. Canty, of course, Canty was a big guy, 6'5", 335, if you will, also known as the Masked Superfly, Black Stud Williams, Super Mario Man, and uh, Commando Ray, if you will. Some of the names from Ray Candy. Leroy Brown, of course, known as Georgia Sweets, Muhammad Jabbar, Leroy Brown, and Elijah Akeem. So there you go, folks, some history involving those guys as well. 
Up next, how about Tag Team Song? We're going to have another great one here. The Rock and Roll Express, if you'll uh, take it on the Heavenly Bodies, Dr. Tom Pritchard and Sweet Stan Lane. This was because, apparently, the Heavenly Bodies replaced the Wrecking Crew due to an agreement by Bill Watts and Commissioner Bob Armstrong on an earlier episode of Main Event. As a result, the Heavenly Bodies Smoky Mountain Championship was not on the line, making this a non-title match. However... The Rock and Roll Express of Morning Gibson were back together once again. And of course, the Hall of Famers, however that they are, who went into the WWE Hall of Fame just a few years ago, if you will, pick up the win over the Heavenly Bodies of Dr. Tom Pritchard, who would later team up with Chris Candido to form the Heavenly Bodies. And of course, Stan Lane, who was near the end of his career after being a decent wrestler with the Midnight Express in the 80s. And uh, Jim Cornette, your thoughts about this one? Uh, what match? The Rock and Roll Express against the Heavenly Bodies. Uh, Rock and Roll Express. Good team, good team. And, of course, they had some great battles, as we said, over the years with guys like the Midnight Express, the Russians, of course, Ivan Nikita Koloff from Crusher Khrushchev, Barry Darso, formerly a demolition member Smash, if you will, the Horsemen, if you will. Uh, like I said, the Midnight Express then went all over the territory from Mid-South to the NWA to WWE, if you will, to Mid-Other uh, Territories, if you will. Speaking of which, how our next match are Dustin Rhodes taking on Max Payne, if you will. Max Payne, of course, replacing Ron Simmons, however, who was injured at this time. As a result, Payne was disqualified here after he pulled the referee into Dustin. Dusty Rhodes to break up an ab stretch and throwing Rhodes over the top rope, which at the time was considered a no-no. Dusty Rhodes, however, was still the U.S. champion and would then go on to face Stone Cold Steve Austin later on at Starcade in 1993. But on this night, he took on Max Payne. Your thoughts about Rhodes and Payne? Uh, great tag match. And Max Payne, of course, better known to you all as Man Mountain Rock, if you will, in the WWE. He, of course, is 56 years old, now living in Provo, Utah, the home of BYU. He also had other nicknames, including uh, Beater, Blacksmith, Buffalo Peterson, Heavy Metal, Buffalo Lucifer Payne. He stood 6'6", six six, ladies and gentlemen, 355, ladies and gentlemen. He was, of course, a wrestler for 13 years. Last we heard, ladies and gentlemen, however... He uh, is involved with film work, believe it or not, in all the independent films, however, now, ever since he got out of wrestling. But he still talks about, however, mind you, a little bit of his career. But in fact, however, he almost didn't get into wrestling. He actually got into a motorcycle accident in his junior year of high school, however, and at one point, however, was wondering, however, whether or not he would want to continue, however, this dream. Unfortunately, however, he did continue his dream, however, despite the fact that many people did not think he was going to get back into it so quickly, if you will. So there you yeah, go. Yeah, I agree. Up next, of course, was one of our two big main events of the evening. Barry Wyndham taking on the great Muda for the NWA World Heavyweight title. Muda was champion at this time. As a result, Ric Flair had just come back to the WCW around this time after being in the WWE. And as a result, however, uh, Wyndham did not allow Flair to uh, have uh, Flair present him with the gold belt because of the way Flair had left Tower. And there began a little bit of tension between the two of them as the former horseman made Tower stood at a stalemate. As a result, Wyndham was your champion on this night. Your thoughts about this one? Um, good, good match. Indeed. And then, of course, we go to the big main event, ladies and gentlemen, Big Van Vader with Harley Race taking on the Stinger in a White Castle of Fear strap match, if you will, however. The Stinger, of course, trying not to get uh, whipped, if you will. He had won the King of the Cable just a few months before, ladies and gentlemen. As a result, however, Vader, of course, showed, however, that 1993 was indeed Vader time, at least until the end of the year when Flair and him would meet, when career and title were on the line at Starcade in Flair's hometown of Charlotte, if you will. As a result, on this night, Vader showed, however, in Flair's hometown that he was ready to come after Flair and also the NWA championship by any means necessary whatsoever and we would see him and Mick Foley and other people uh, try to stand in his way and knock the big man down but Vader was too powerful and too strong on this night he defeated Sting here in 20 plus minutes your thoughts about the main event um good 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 main event match indeed I gotta say I would agree there indeed and on a scale of 1 to 10 what would you give this one I'm giving this about a 7 7 Indeed. I will be right back in two seconds. Just a second. All right. Okay, I'm back. Sorry about that. And I can tell you right now, looking out the window, ladies and gentlemen, I think the rain has stopped now. As there's apparently, apparently the sun is trying to uh, open up again. As the sun's trying to set here soon. So that means it didn't rain very long here, folks. Only about 10 or 15 minutes. So we got a little bit of a spitting shower, if you will. So there you go. Uh, but, folks, uh, thank you very much, however, for uh, our listening to us tonight here at episode 121. Uh, I'm 
glad that we had fun with you all tonight. Of course, next week, we hope to have King NWO Gerard T. Smith with us in the Time Machine show next week for number 122. But we can tell you also tonight, ladies and gentlemen, and I don't know if John talked about it, but we'll repeat it right now. There is, a, I believe, a title match tonight involving the Empress, a.k.a. Last Kicker, Amory Reckenbach, and the Heartbreak Kid, Fonzie. That'll be a very unique match. I believe that is tonight, ladies and gentlemen. So you might want to check that out at 9 o'clock. John, of course, will have your birthdays and dates at the... Uh, Desk is getting ready to prepare for those here in just a few minutes. Also, ladies and gentlemen, we will have the latest news headlines for you, including, of course, some uh, updates on SmackDown Live, which is going to be starting very shortly, folks. So be sure to check us out there as well. Uh, before we close up shop, uh, shop for the evening, uh, don't forget we told you about tomorrow night's shows, including the big historical episode number 100 at Wrestling Debate at 8 o'clock. We're going to have a lot to talk about, of course, tomorrow night, I'm sure, at the debate. And we might have some guests you never know who might swing by as far as that goes. Uh, before we wrap it up, I'm going to ask John if he has any closing arguments to say. No closing argument. All right. Thank you very much, John. And I'm just working on this real quick here. Just bear with me here, folks. I'm just trying to get our closing theme here going here in a minute. And this is just a commercial, right. folks. So I'm going to close up here in just a second. But we will catch up with you at 9 o'clock. Yes. Okay. And we do want to thank the human suplex machine, John Gross, for joining us here tonight, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, right now, as he has now left us, Howard. and as we close out the theme, Howard, we opened up the show with a little bit of Moody Blues. We're going to close it out with the Moody's Blues again, this time from another one of their great hits, ladies and gentlemen, Nights in White Satin from 1970, if you will. Again, folks, we will be back at 9 o'clock, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you so very much for listening to us tonight. We will talk to you again, same time, same place, later on tonight, and again next week with episode 122. So for now, ladies and gentlemen, for the Human Suplex Machine, this is the Iceman, Jared D. almost saying so long from ringside, and uh, we hope you enjoyed our show this evening and learned a little bit more about some of the big events in history. And now, ladies and gentlemen, as we close it out tonight, here are the Moody Blues with Knights and White Sand from 1970. We'll talk to you soon. Have a good night, everyone, and enjoy the rest of your evening. And as always, folks, God bless. Nights in white satin, never reaching the end. Letters I've written, never meaning to send. Beauty I'd always with these eyes before. Just what the truth. I can't say anymore Cause I love you Yes, I love you Gazing at people Some hands in hands Tell me thoughts they cannot defend. Just what you want to be, you'll be in the end, and I'll love you.
Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere playing at luckylandslots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.